This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshner. And I'm Evan Novi-Williams, and you're listening to the Sportacast. Oh, you're disappointed again, Eben, because we have Al Tylus on and, and Al, you're part owner of a Mexican soccer team, Nacaxa. And every now and then, I know you listen to the show, you know, Eben gives us a little something special in the opening. Yeah. And this was his chance. El jefe de un equipo de fútbol de México. Nothing. Estás escuchando So I hope you're not too disappointed that Eben couldn't rev it up for you, Al, but Thanks for being with us. We do appreciate yeah. it. Th- thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And you did a good job pronouncing the name, too. Uh, good. Well, that's important. Yeah. We like to yeah. do that. Um, but exciting times for you. And let, let's go 30,000-foot view first before we kind of really narrow down on what you're doing. But what attracted you? You're a real estate investor by trade. What attracted you to, one, Liga MX and, two, Nacoxa specifically? Sure. And and look, you, you guys have done a great job talking about sports as media businesses over the years, right? And and when you look at Nicoxa and you look at Liga MX and you're saying to yourself, okay, well, in Mexico, it's everything to everybody, great. In the United States, my underlying assumption a couple of years ago was, you know, great product. I don't know who's watching it, right? And I started to dig into the numbers and you wrote about this, Scott and Eben, the, the fact that the average League MX game has more people in the United States watching it than the Premier League and MLS combined was absolutely shocking to me. Well, if that surprises you, you can certainly understand that the average sports fan out there would not realize that the Spanish language broadcast of Liga MX really attracts millions of eyeballs. Yeah, and, and, and it's not even... We don't even have it largely available in English yet. So, so that was incredibly appealing and interesting, sort of caught my attention. And, and then, look, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively young. I kind of look at things big picture, long term. The, the trend line, the macro trend, right? The, you know, I think we're at, we have about 60 million Hispanic Americans right now. That number is projected to double in the next 20 or so years. You're looking at nearly a third of the country being Hispanic, roughly half of that being Mexican Americans. And I just look at that as such a massive macro tailwind 
to to the league. And and so th- those were the initial things that really, really caught my attention. You are also an investor in DC United. How do the things that, that you just described dovetail with DC United and how do they maybe separate from, from what MLS is doing? Because I hear a lot of the same points from MLS investors, the, the changing demographics of the country, the, the, the obsession with soccer in, in Hispanic American communities. How do you think about those two working together or where do you see Nacoxa doing things that DC United doesn't do? Um, I, see, I see a lot of tailwinds for both, right? And look, the, the MLS has done an incredible job um, Don Garber, Gary Stevenson, Mark Abbott, the entire front office there has, has done a fantastic job. And we're see, look, we're seeing a lot of the, we're seeing a lot of things happening between the leagues, right? You know, there's there's the Campeones Cup, there's the Nations League, there's Concacaf Champions League, and so you're seeing more and more. And I, and I think I think one of the things that is fairly obvious to all involved is. The MLS has done an incredible job commercializing their product. They have not fully tapped into the Hispanic audience in the U.S. I would argue Liga MX has and has a great product, but does hasn't quite sort of created the same level of sort of commercial sophistication and success. And so, I, look, there's there's obviously rumors of mergers and things like that. I think there's um, a lot more to do between leagues. So let's dive into that. I assume part of what you're talking about, and a lot of our listeners may not know, the way that Liga MX teams commercialize their rights, they do it individually. It's not like in most American leagues where the NFL does league-wide media deals with Fox and CBS and NBC. Club America, Chivas, they do their own deals in the U.S., and so do clubs like Club Nicoxa. Is that a is that something you see changing? How does the the, the kind of the, the decentralized nature fit into what you think about when you think about the long term growth structure of revenue for a club like Nicaxa, which isn't the top 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 tier of, of Liga MX, and obviously isn't at the the bottom bottom tier either? Let's just point out what what that means for for a U.S. audience that might not understand. That would be like the Dallas Cowboys get one broadcast deal and they keep the money, and the Buffalo Bills get a different broadcast deal and they keep that. There isn't the shared pool of money. And same with sponsorships, et cetera. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, so look, I think that collectivization of those media rights is a very realistic sort of medium-term outcome for League MX. And, and we're, look, we, we're, we're the first American group that's come in there. We're not going in and saying, okay, you guys have been around for 100 years. We're going to tell you what to do. That's not the approach here. But, Wait a minute. That's not the American way, Al. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make friends, Scott. So it, it's, um, I, I think the wisdom of that hopefully prevails. And, and we've seen that all the U.S. major leagues have done it. You saw most recently in La Liga in Spain a few years ago where they were originally on their, everyone on their own, ultimately collectivized and their revenue, you know, the aggregate revenue pool went up significantly. So I think that's a real, real opportunity um, ultimately. And then, and then look, you, you know, Scott's analogy of you know, Cowboys and Bills is fair. The, the, the interesting thing is even if, you know, you're, you're like, okay, well, I want to watch Chivas. I want to watch Club America. Club Nacoxa, maybe. Maybe someday we'll, we'll be up there with them, but not today. In order to watch it, when you need to have our rights too, right? So if the Bills are playing the Cowboys and the Bills have a deal with 
ABC and the Cowboys have a deal with Fox, Fox can't do anything about that game for that weekend. And so even though you know, we're not going to garner the same media deal as a club America, the, the, the opportunity is still there. And then the, the need to have all the games and all the big clubs who play us is important to, to the audience. We are chatting with Al Tylus, part owner of Club McCox of Liga MX, and you're doing it to Sam Porter, uh, you know, also a DC United executive. Is there a notion, and I see this from a lot of prospective buyers going to Europe primarily, that uh, the American way of monetization of sports teams is a bit more sophisticated, whether it be stadium revenue, TV revenue, merchandise, tickets, that there's a better way. It, do you see as an opportunity of bringing in some of that know-how of U.S. sports and generating more revenue at Liga MX? Uh, I, th- I think so to, to some degree, but I, but I think a, a level of humility and, and not being arrogant about it is critical. And I, I do think there are some things that we've done. And even look, with, our, with the club here specifically, right, this, this, this team has been around for 98 years. And I would suggest up until two or so weeks ago, not a lot of people outside of, Mexico and Mexican Americans in the U.S. were familiar with it, and 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 part of part of what's critical, and, and I, I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to 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 understand this is it's it's about the fans, it's about engaging them and finding a way to to capture their interests, have them care deeply about the club, and ultimately become fans and consumers of the products. Of Can I give you a little advice, Al? Please. Unsolicited. If yeah. you do become wildly successful at a massive brand, don't get together with the five other big teams and talk about a Super League. That's a good idea. Okay. That, just that just, just want to caution you against that because I don't think that's a good idea. That might be your best advice. I don't think it's a good idea. Thank you very much. Yeah. There's a level of tone deafness there that I think we, myself and Sam, don't have. So I think we'll follow that. There you go. One of the ways that we see teams often kind of reach a, a, a larger audience is through celebrity minority partners. You guys have an, have a really interesting collection of them. Um, Mesut Ozil, the German soccer player, Eva Longoria, Mexican American actress, Kate Upton, her husband, uh, Justin Verlander. There are some NBA, former NBA players in there. How does a group like that come together? Does, do they come as a package? Do you know some of these people from various corners of the world? It's such a fascinating group of very, very different celebrities. Yeah. So, so it, it's interesting. So every one of them is, is somebody that is connected to our investor group. So, um, and, and we've gotten to know all of them. You know, one of them, so Sean Marion's actually, and Victor are investors in the New Zealand Breakers, which I've been an investor in and Sam's involved in as well. Um, and then others have been, were connected to me through a few of our other non-celebrity um, investor types. And look, it's, it's your point, right, Evan, like the, you know, this group has 130 million social media followers. Mm. Right, like it, it, it talk about a great way to you know create brand awareness. Right today, when you've got you know people like Eva Longoria and as Mesodozo and Justin Verlander and Kate Upton and, and these you know great NBA players and Bodie Miller, like you've got people from so many different areas, geographies too. Right, like Mesodozo so 
well-known and popular sort of east of Europe, in, you know, in Turkey, in, in uh, Indonesia, places like that. You know, obviously, Eva's Mexican-American. There's a great time there. So You've got to think global these days. You can't think about just becoming a brand in Mexico. Everybody wants to be a global brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a, lot of these, look, a lot of these folks are global brands. And I think the quality of the product here is, is global. It's, it's good enough to be global. And I think as hopefully the league continues to grow and there's more that happens between League MX and MLS and, you know, I, I, I'm not a believer in the Super League, as you mentioned, but, you know, again, there's more and more, you know, something North American someday could be, you know, could be wildly interesting, especially with, you know, another kind of catalyst to all this is the World Cup in 2026 in North America. I want to ask about that exact thing you're kind of alluding, I, I believe, to, to talks about a potential merger between Liga MX and MLS. I, I know those, those conversations have been happening for a while. One of the things that, that was explained to me when we were writing the story about your purchase of Nakaxa, your investment, um, was the idea that there's a chance that if a merger does happen, that not every Liga MX team would end up in whatever the, the top league is. Am I correct in thinking that the fact that you are also an MLS investor means that you have relationships there, that that might be a factor in your thinking, hey, if there ever is a merger, I think Nakaxa, both on the strength of, of what the club is commercially and also on the strength of my own relationships, might be a, a stronger candidate to, to be part of that group than, than others might be? Look, I, I think I, I don't want to speculate too much about the conversations that have sort of occurred between the leagues. I think I think the important thing, Evan, is that both league, the, each league can benefit from the other. And, and you're seeing it play out, right? In the tournaments that I mentioned, the, the rivalry, right? I think you're seeing it more between the countries. We saw that, you know, the Nations League game, um, you know, the U.S.-Mexico game. I just think the more intertwined partnerships and, you know, it, it, it's, none of this is binary, right? It's not like we either there's a merger or there isn't and that's it, right? I think there's, there's so much to do between these great organizations in North America that I, you know, I, I think smart folks will figure out ways to create the most value between everybody. We're chatting with Al Tylus of Club Nakax of Liga MX. And Al, your core competency is real estate. Uh, I think sports teams these days are platform companies. They're associated with real estate projects, finance, incubators, media, tech. Do you envision Club Nakaxa blossoming into sort of that tentpole with the satellites going around it? Because as we see around the world, teams aren't just teams anymore. And I, I like to go back to my Simpsons reference that uh, I got wrong, but in, in reference, it was right. It's sort of right. Uh, there was a Simpsons episode where uh, they're walking <laughs> into the hardware store and it says in giant letters, mom and pop hardware. And the way I told it, it said a division of global dominance, Inc. But I think it was a division of Global Dynamics, Inc. It was close, but you get the point that it may look like the little club local team and you have your fans and, you know, that's mom and pop hardware, but it really is division of Global Dynamics slash Dominance, Inc. Yeah. No, no look, Scott, you're spot on. These, these, are, these are multifaceted organizations, right? Whether it be media, whether it be real estate whether, you know, we've obviously tried some things in the technology space, I, I suspect we'll, we'll touch upon. I, I, I think there's so many tentacles to reach from this sort of real core fundamental base of a, of a, of a, a league and a team and something that just 
people are captivated by that there's so many different opportunities that stem from that. All right. Well, if, if Eben's not going to jump in, norm, normally I tee him up with like softballs like you just did to get into technology. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, I mean, sometimes when he, when he leans forward against the mic, I, I take that as a cue, like he's ready to speak. He had that, he had that look, but he didn't do it. So Eben, I'm going to say three letters and then you're going to take it. All right. N F T. Yeah, I mean, I, I want Al to, to take it. You guys are selling a 1% ownership stake in, in Club Nicoxa, uh, all, all doing it on the blockchain as, as an NFT. I believe right now you're still, as we record this, in the process of taking best and final offers. What we had reported, I think, earlier this week, the kind of the reserve price of $1.3 million had already been hit. Uh, give us a sense of uh, one, kind of where the idea came from. Was this the plan all along? And then two, what you're learning from this process about the ways in which you can use new technology like blockchain as a way to both, you know, do, do things well financially, but also get the name of Nakaxa out there. And, and by the way, if you could do it in the voice of an auctioneer, that'd be great. Uh, all right. I didn't, I didn't practice that, Scott. So maybe for the next slide, we'll do that. Um, so NFT, non-fungible tokens, for, for those who haven't heard of it yet, although I suspect that's probably not a lot of folks at this point. The, so the idea, it's interesting, right? You asked about the idea. The idea came out of something different than what you see today. So my, my, my original idea was tied to something we were talking about earlier, which is fan engagement, right? And, and creating tokens that, per, that give fans a sliver of ownership, but entitle maybe, and you can take this so many different directions, entitle them to... You know, a certain silver token gives you, you know, uh, a field pass once a year and a gold token will give you a locker room pass and the, the platinum one will let you talk to the coach. I'm and- yawning. Been there, done that. Oh. <laughs> you have those, Scott? No, but some <laughs> other league. You know, I'm looking at the Premier Lacrosse League. You know, they're sort of like owner for a day NFT. But you you went big. You went big and bold. So, yeah. And so, so like the, look, the, and so I, I think, I know this myself and you guys, I'm sure appreciate this. When you own something and you invest in something, even if it's not a significant amount of money, you look at it differently. You care about it differently. You think about it differently. You read about it more. You're engaged more with it. I I do that too. I did that with crypto. I had friends who were like, just buy a little and you'll pay attention and you'll learn. And that's, that's what, that's essentially what's happened. So the, what I talked about that idea our global regulatory environment does not lend itself to that. You're into like public offerings everywhere, registration statements everywhere, too, too big, too complicated someday. And so then, then I kind of reverted to, okay, my, my, I have a 12 year old son. We collect sports cards, right? And, you know, there's a, we'll use a soccer player, Mbappe. So your regular Mbappe card could cost 20 bucks. If there's an Mbappe card that's numbered one to 25, it could cost 200 bucks. If there's a one-of-one one Mbappe and there's only one of those in the world, that costs many, many, many multiples of the other cards. And so that's where we got the idea of saying, okay, well, the regulatory world's not ready for this broader idea of ownership, but we could create one scarce, unique token, the first ever, right? So it's minted on the blockchain. We know now in the history of sports, there's never going to be another first of its kind and it actually represents, effectively, indirect ownership in the club. And because it's only one, 
Uh, and people have to go through a KYC process and people have to be, you know, in the US have to be accredited investors. There is the regulatory framework to do this. And we, in fact, did the work in 22 different countries mm. to make sure that we <laughs> could capture the broadest audience for this token that we can. So up to the second, because at time of broadcast, you're going to be hours away from best and final. But up to the second, where do we stand? How many bidders from how many countries, if you know, and where were we in terms of, well, like as I've been said, you were at 1.3 million as a reserve price and you would eclipse that almost immediately. Where do we stand? So we, we've now got almost 500 registered bidders. Um, I, I don't know if ever, no, I suspect not everybody's actually going to bid, but those people went through the KYC I mentioned. They signed non-disclosure agreements. They provided crypto wallets, no decent amount of work to not do anything. Uh, and we've had a handful of bids. They're sealed uh, intentionally. The only thing we sort of know and can say, right, is that they all exceeded, they were at or above the reserve price. Otherwise, the, the website doesn't let you bid. All right. If this was old school, Al, would you be like holding up the white envelope to the light and seeing if you could make it out? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, something like that. A, little, a little more digital Yep. nature here, but yes. Um, what have you What have you learned from the the 500 people you mentioned? A bunch of different countries. Are these primarily people in Aguas Calientes who who love Club Nacaxa? Are they international investors who sense just an opportunity that you laid out at the beginning of this show? Who, who are these people that are interested? It, it's so, you know, a lot of it I don't know, but but a bunch of it is is from what I can glean as far far region. So there are. Plenty of folks in Mexico interested. There are plenty of folks in the U.S. I think at this point, we're up to 12 countries uh, where people have registered from. There's folks from you know, Europe. There's we have India. We had uh, Indonesia. We had Turkey. So it is, it's clearly captured some you know, global audience here. Are you hearing from owners in other sports, other leagues that are, you know, Al, how did you do this? We're thinking about doing the same. No, they're, they're not saying how like, do you do the same. They're saying how dare you because we were thinking about it. We just <laughs> yeah. didn't get it done quickly. Because <laughs> you know, everybody in sports loves first mover status. Yes. That gets attention. Everybody loves first mover status. You got it though. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, 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 the reaction, look, we, see, when you try something nobody's tried before, you just never know. Right. And, 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 and again, humility was appropriate and, and being, you know, sort of thoughtful and careful about how we go about this and just kind of holding our breath a little bit, see what the reaction would be. And, and whether it's been from the business community, the crypto community, certainly the sports community, it's been, you know, just the reaction that far greater and more just interesting. I've had people from all over the place reach out. There, there, there are, I'm not going to name them. I know you're going to ask. I was just going to say, come on. No, there's like, I I mean, I have a, what did Jerry Jones say? Come on. What did Jerry Jones say? I have a call with a prominent NBA owner tomorrow. We we've had NFL. No, I'm not. Uh, (laughs) I'm just going to take guesses. We, 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 uh, we, we've had folks from a number of different leagues reaching out and, but they're, but they're actually reaching out on two different fronts there. I think people are like, what is this? How did you do this? Can you share the tech? Can you share the legal work? You know, there's a little bit of that, but then there's also the what the league MX. It's sort of right under our nose, right? Like literally, it's like right there, and we hadn't focused on it. And we've seen some of you know the information, a lot of what you guys have reported, and they're like, wow, like 
let, let's talk more. We'd love to hear more. Are there other situations that might be available? And so I think, and again, part, that was part of the thesis here, right? Which is like great asset, great league. Not everybody knows about it yet. It's, it's right there. And, and so I think part of this exercise has also been just opening people's eyes and saying, okay, like shine a light on it. This is a great product with a great opportunity and a long runway for growth. Edmund, do you see Sam Porter or like taking on a little consultant job for all these other gigs, you know, just sort of <laughs> advising people how to get through on this? He's like perfect for that. I, I could see Sam make, making good, uh, good Bitcoin on this. Sam's great. And Sam, Sam, Sam's going to, Sam's going to be driving, driving this effort for us. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's super sophisticated in the sports world, as you guys know, and you know, excited, excited to have him as a partner. On this. I would have no problem if Sam's driving the bus, I'll be a passenger. It's all good. Me too. All right. Al Tylus, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and chatting about not only the purchase of Club Nacoxa, the investment, but also the NFT project. Great. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Al. That was Al Tylus and my partner in crime, Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on the Twitter at Soshnick, our social media coordinator, Cor Veltman reminding you that the show is at Sportacast, which is the centerpiece, the hub of what will become the Sportico Podcast Network.